Hello, I'm Mercedes. I'm Tash. And you're listening to episode 61 of Chat Disney. So welcome back to the Chat Disney podcast. Today, Tash and I are going to be talking about our guilty pleasures. Disney, you may think, is already a bit of a guilty pleasure, but even within the world of Disney, as two 20-something-year-old women, there are lots of things for us to find even more of a guilty pleasure in. So we're really looking forward to discussing this today. And we're also going to be finishing the episode with one of my favorite segments, Mad Chatter. But before we head into all of that, let's have a quick look at what has been happening in the world of Disney this week. So lots and lots of parks news for you all this week from pretty much all the parks around the world. Um, Obviously, the big one, Shanghai Disneyland, is reopening today. Very, very exciting and potentially paving the way for the rest of the parks um, across the world as well. Um, The government have said that they've got to keep their numbers to 24,000. Normally, they can take 80,000, but initially, they are going to be taking a lot less than 24 and seeing how things go. We already spoke last week about the measures that they've put in place in regards to rides and queues. So it will be very interesting to see how that all kind of pans out this week. Um, And I'm sure there'll be a lot of stuff on social media. In terms of Hong Kong, um, we spoke again about them a little bit last week. They were previously testing character dining um, with new regulations to see how that goes. They are now taking reservations for May in the hotels as well. Um, No date for them reopening the parks yet, but all heading in the right direction. Disney Springs, of course, in Florida, they also now announced a phased reopening, which is starting on May the 20th. Um, So they're going to be trialing enhanced safety regulations in restaurants and shops. So it'd be interesting to see how that all fits in as well. And then I think the final thing um, in terms of parks this week is from California and construction has resumed on the Avengers Campus and Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which is also very positive. Um, Obviously, Avengers... um, Um, Campus was due originally to open in July this year. Not sure that will be happening, but they haven't announced a new date. So stay tuned for that. All very exciting. Obviously, no Paris news just yet, as Europe is at the moment one of the most affected areas. But hopefully all of these things are all a sign of good things to come in the future. Talking a little bit more about Shanghai Disneyland, they have announced that for today's reopening, there's going to be a line of limited edition Chippendale merchandise. This is, I believe, to celebrate Chippendale's birthday. And one of those items is a limited edition popcorn bucket. And I found this especially interesting as Shanghai Disneyland is one of the parks that doesn't really get that much cool stuff in the way of merchandise and they've certainly never had limited edition popcorn buckets before so I can only assume that these were planned for both California and Walt Disney World and Shanghai is benefiting a little bit from those parks being closed and and getting some of the cool merchandise as I say this is just speculation but definitely a very interesting turn of events. Yeah, absolutely. I'm quite happy for Shanghai that they finally get some kind of, you know, limited edition merchandise. Mm. 
Um, in other exciting news, Disney princesses are coming together to do a very special Zoom call for charity. Um, this is going to be taking place on May the 16th. All you have to do, do is make a donation of $20 to Give Kids the World. Um, and then you can do a Q&A with Linda Larkin, who voices Jasmine, Jodie Benson, who is, of course, Ariel, um, Irene Bedard, she's Pocahontas, and Paige O'Hara, who voices Belle. Very, very exciting. I love that. I haven't heard of that. I know. It's, I think it's really cool. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but it will be interesting to see. Yeah, awesome. I love that. I love that a lot. In the world of Pirates of the Caribbean, it's strange. We don't talk about Pirates of the Caribbean that often, but recently there seems to have been like a surge in, in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise and it's coming up everywhere. And what's really exciting is that we are hopefully getting a female lead. So there was a lot of speculation as to whether or not Johnny Depp would be reprising the role of Jack Sparrow because obviously there was a little bit of controversy around Johnny Depp and his girlfriend and we don't need to go into that. But I think Disney have seen this as a really positive opportunity and there have been rumours about having a female in there and Karen Gillian is now rumoured to be that female lead, that female pirate character in the new Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Karen Gillian, for those of you who aren't familiar with her, plays Nebula in the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy movies and she also was Amy Pond in Doctor Who on BBC. So if this does happen... Very excited for a female lead in that franchise. Absolutely. And about time too, I would say. Um, in other news, um, we spoke a little bit last week about the Disney sing-along um, part two that is going to be coming to ABC very soon and hopefully Disney Plus shortly after. They have announced some more stars who are going to be getting involved in that this time. Um, that will be Anika Nonny Rose. Obviously, she is Tiana in Princess and the Frog and Chloe and Halle. Obviously, Halle Bailey is going to be playing Ariel um, at some point when they can get around to reshooting that film. Yeah, we're going to have like, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've got a lot of content that's still dropping now and there'll be a lot of content that goes to cinema once this lockdown period is over. But there's going to be a period after that where there's a gap because all filming had to stop. So that's going to be really interesting. It'll probably be in like a year or so's time, but it will be interesting to see kind of how that affects things further down the line, definitely. And also talking a little bit more about movies, some Star Wars news this week which was awesome Taiku Watiti I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly very famous director responsible for Thor Ragnarok also some of the episodes of Mandalorian and Jojo Rabbit which did very well at the Academy Awards is going to be the new director at the helm of the Star Wars movies which are currently being written so very very exciting I'm really excited to see what these Star Wars movies are going to be. As we discussed last week in our May the 4th episode, we're kind of done with the Skywalker saga. So these new Star Wars movies are going to be looking at new characters, new worlds, hopefully. And I think that Taiku Watiti is a fantastic choice to direct those episodes. Absolutely. Very exciting indeed. And that is everything that has been happening in the world of Disney this week. We are now going to move on to the main part of the episode, talking about our guilty Disney pleasures. So as I said in the intro of today's episode, Disney itself 
is a little bit of a guilty pleasure. Obviously, for Tash and I and those of you listening today, you probably disagree, but I know for lots of people, the whole notion of adults, especially adults without children, being really into Disney and loving animation is somewhat conceived, I think, as or perceived rather, as a little bit of a guilty pleasure. But... Even within that, I think there are even more guilty pleasures that we can admit to. And that is what today's episode is all dedicated to. Tash and I revealing to you in our tight little community, so this should go no further, our personal guilty pleasures. Absolutely. Um, And who doesn't love a guilty pleasure? I mean, and I think you are right. I mean, I personally don't see Disney as a guilty pleasure, but I know some of my non-Disney friends who look at me as a nearly 30-year-old woman um, who's still massively into Disney, they probably see it as a bit of a guilty pleasure on the whole. So let's get straight into it. Mercedes, what's one of your Disney guilty pleasures? Uh, where to start? There are so many and it's, yeah, I think people are going to be quite shocked with some of these because I think that I can sometimes come off as having a bit of a heart of stone at times and some of these guilty pleasures are very, very, very guilty. Um, the first one, and I did talk about this a little bit when we did our top Disney songs, but I am a huge fan of Let It Go, the song sung by the Wickedly uh, talented Idina Menzel, Adele Dazeem. Um, I think that Let It Go is one of the best Disney songs, if not the best Disney song to come out of, you know, the last kind of 20 years. It's actually one of my favorite Disney songs of all time. I also just love the Frozen franchise. I know that there's going to be parents that are listening to this episode that are sick to death with watching Frozen and Frozen Fever and Olaf's Adventure and all these different spin-offs. but I love it. I think that Disney have really kind of found something worth repeating. And until that narrative kind of does die and there isn't a demand for it, then I think they really are going to start to stretch those characters. And at the moment, I'm not bored of it. So... Two feature-length movies, lots of spin-offs, lots of merch, lots of different kind of festivals and celebrations at parks and resorts, attractions at parks and resorts, meet and greets. I'm not tired yet. I really love it as a franchise. See, that's interesting. I mean, I knew you were going to say that because we did speak about Let It Go when we did our top Disney songs. Um, I actually am probably one of the few who thinks Frozen as a franchise is a little overrated. um, And that's probably a bit of an unpopular opinion. But I like the movies. I have absolutely nothing, no problems with it. I love the soundtracks. But the fact that it has become such a huge franchise, I don't always know if it's deserved of that. I don't think that is an unpopular opinion because I, I think that's why, you know, I almost, I decided that this is a guilty pleasure because I think that most people will agree with you, Tash. I think that's the general school of thought. It's like kids love this franchise so much. Why do they like it so much? It's irritating. It's annoying. We have it rammed down our throat. But for me, I'm like, no, give me more. I absolutely love it. I think that Having two sisters, two princesses in that movie, or or queens as they both are now, is really clever from a marketing perspective. Absolutely. Like what sells more than one Disney princess, two Disney princesses, give the people what they want. And I get that. And I get that people might be a little bit cynical about that. But I love that we get these two different 
female characters who are each other's heroine like they don't need a man to come and rescue them in that first movie that narrative is so wonderful and how the sisterly love is essentially what thaws the ice and and makes everything go back to normal in Arendelle I love the narrative of Anna and Hans I think that's really really clever as well I I guess I yeah I just absolutely love the characters so for me I'm like if I go on to Instagram and Josh Gad is reading Olaf Bedtime Stories and he's milking that character as much as he possibly can, I'm all here for it. I think that they're really well cast and I do really believe that they've got the depth to stretch. I have no doubt in my mind that we'll be seeing a Frozen 3. Yeah, I think you're completely correct there. I mean, we need to see a wedding, don't we? We haven't seen that yet. And I want to Absolutely. see this frozen fantasy wedding gown of dreams. So, um, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think the franchise is, is over yet. So, yeah, I think that's a good guilty pleasure to have on your list. Absolutely. What's one of your guilty pleasures then, Tash? So one of my biggest one, um, which has come to light a lot more recently with the introduction of Disney Plus, is the Disney Channel series. So I'm talking about your Lizzie McGuire, That's So Raven, Hannah Montana, all the old classics. I mean, I would actually say that these became a guilty pleasure for me as a teenager. Um, I remember watching Hannah Montana probably when it was considered a little bit too young for us and absolutely being all over it, absolutely loving it. Um, And the same with shows like Lizzie McGuire, That's So Raven as well. Um, And then they just kind of went to the back burner for a long, long time. Um, Obviously, I haven't watched Disney Channel as an adult. um, And it is only really since Disney Plus came back into our lives for us in the UK at the end of March that we've been reintroduced to all these amazing shows. Um, And for me, it's the pure nostalgia of watching those shows that takes you right back to your teenage years, sitting up in your bedroom, binge watching, back to back um I absolutely love it and I think that these shows are so comforting especially with everything that's going on at the moment you need a little bit of nostalgia in your life absolutely and I agree with you I think that the thing that kind of makes this one a guilty pleasure is like when we were teenagers I like I was obsessed with the Disney Channel Disney Channel was my number one place to go to watch TV and I watched it non-stop and I think that when we were watching things like the animation, so Recess, The Weekenders, Pepper Ann, there was that Sabrina the Teenage Witch series where she had like the little pink skirt and it was like voiced by the real Sabrina's little sister. It was a bit weird. That kind of stuff. Lizzie McGuire as well. That's so Raven. I don't see that so much as a guilty pleasure because it was targeted at our age group, but you're absolutely on the nose in terms of like the sweet life of Zach and Cody, um, Hannah Montana, Uh, what else was there? Sunny with a Chance, all of that stuff. I should not know any of those TV shows, but yet I still found myself kind of being sucked into all of that. And I think it is because I had a younger sister, but I still, you know, I had the decision. I could have gone to my bedroom and like gone on MSN Messenger or something, but I didn't. I sat with her and I watched those shows. And I think that what makes it even more of a guilty pleasure now is not only was I watching that stuff as a teenager, but I'm now 28 years old and I'm watching Boy Meets World on Disney Plus. And that is definitely a guilty pleasure. Absolutely. And I think it's so funny to kind of look back and see, and especially with Lizzie McGuire, I've been watching a lot of that lately. The fashion at the time is just 
amazing. I love it so much. Um, but yeah, I think I, when I was younger, I remember watching Disney Channel as a young child. And then I think when I was sort of, you know, like 10 to 13, I don't think we had it. So I missed out on that proportion. And it was about when I was probably maybe around 15 that we got it back and started watching it again. Cause I think that was when Hannah Montana was on a lot and became really popular. So yeah, it was definitely a guilty pleasure back then. And it still is now very much. Yeah. And it's really interesting as well. I think what you just spoke about there about the people that had it and the people that didn't, when I talk to Grumpy, it's really interesting because we'll kind of like reminisce about children's television that we both used to watch growing up. And I'll be like, oh, recess. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. We had that on like CITV. But then I'll say like, yeah, Lizzie McGuire. And he's like, literally no idea because they only had like your terrestrial channels, like one, two, three, and four growing up. So it almost kind of does feel now looking back like you were part of some kind of elite club and you know oh we had Disney Channel and we got to watch Lizzie McGuire and we got to watch Hannah Montana and stuff it's it's quite funny um but don't worry Tash I have definitely got friends who I know were also watching Hannah Montana at like 15 and 16 years old so um I wouldn't I wouldn't feel uh, embarrassed about your TV choices at that age thank you you've reassured me wholeheartedly I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> So Mercedes, let's have another one from you. So kind of in keeping, I guess, with this whole Disney Channel idea and watching content that maybe is a little bit too young, I have got to say that I love High School Musical and I think that those three movies are great and great in a, like, they're really bad, love to hate kind of way. Like, they're so cheesy, they're great. But I remember when the first High School Musical came out, we were in high school. And then I think we were in high school for the second one. And then we were definitely at sixth form for the third. And that was obviously the one that went to the cinema. And I think I went to the cinema to see this movie. We spoke about this the other day, like three times, because I can think of three different separate groups of people that I went to the cinema to watch that movie with. So that is slightly embarrassing. But I at that time was like 17, 18 when that third movie came out and I was obsessed, but I've like continued to be obsessed about it over the lot, like the last 10 years. So I just, I don't even think that one's like related to age. I just actually really love those high school musical movies. And I think they're great. I've tried to watch high school musical, the musical, the series on Disney plus. I got to my episode six and it just didn't have the same kind of feel good nostalgia for me. It did feel quite young and juvenile, but those original movies, I just, I just love them. I don't care who knows it. Yeah, I remember you always being way more into it than I was. And actually, you mentioning High School Musical, I think when the first one was released, I think that was when we didn't have the Disney Channel because I remember you watching it and then saying to me, oh my God, you have to watch this. And I think I might have come to your house and watched it. Um, and then I remember we like mimicked a lot of the songs. I mean, I still maintain if YouTube had been a thing, you know, 15 years ago, we would have been YouTube stars. Um, but we used to do a lot of like our own versions of the songs. I remember that. And then I remember when the second one came, we did have the Disney Channel in my household. And I remember a lot of people talking about it at school on like a Friday and it was going to be aired the Friday night. And the excitement for that film was ridiculous. And then... Yeah, the third one I definitely saw at the cinema with you. And I remember you being very obsessed with them 
I already spoke about my worst live actions. I know it's not technically a live action, um, but High School Musical 3 was on my list. I am going through watching them again at the moment. I've just watched one. Um, I hope to do two and three, maybe this week or next week. Um, so yeah, but it's not something that really resonates with me as much as it does you. However, I do love the soundtracks. Yeah, I think the music is great. Like, I genuinely think it's great. I think that, you know, you could have a Spotify playlist of musicals and a high school musical song could pop in and it wouldn't feel out of place. There's some really great music in there. Zac Efron's obviously a really talented actor. He's gone on to have a fantastic career and I think we're going to see great things from him. I don't think he's an actor that's going to sort of disappear. I think his career is going to continue on that kind of uphill trajectory. Um, And I don't... I, I I just really like them. I think they're really feel good. They're very nostalgic for me. For a Disney Channel original movie, which is basically what they are, they're fantastic. If you compare them to things like Get a Clue or 13 or the Lizzie... Well, actually, the Lizzie McGuire movie is really good. And actually, I don't think that was a Disney Channel original. I think that went to the cinema. But anyway, I digress. If you compare it to like the Hannah Montana movie, which went straight to cinema was huge it's got like Tyra Banks in it it's got loads of celebrities in it if you compare it to that it's a way better caliber and they didn't know it was going to be you know something like the Hannah Montana movie was riding on the coattail of a very fantastic very popular tv franchise whereas High School Musical the first movie no one knew who Zac Efron was no one knew who Vanessa Hudgens was Ashley Tisdale was quite well known from that at that point from The Sweet Life. But other than that, they were pretty much all unknown actors and it just really, really did well. And I think it's great. Yeah, true. I think they definitely knew what they were doing when they created that first movie in terms of making it leagues above any other Disney Channel original production um, film-wise. So, yeah. 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 And they're directed, I think, by Kenny Ortega, who's a very, very popular um, director, I think. I I could be completely wrong, but he's definitely had involvement on other Disney Channel originals and also musicals. And I don't want to say which musicals in case I get it completely way off, but he is a very experienced director and was at the time of creating this. So I feel like he knew what he was doing as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it shows. So yeah, cool. What have you got up next for us, Tash? So I've got one which I know already you're absolutely going to hate, which is partly why it's on my list. And I have got the attraction, It's a Small World. Um, This, I feel, is a bit of a Marmite ride for a lot of people. Obviously, our very own Mercedes here absolutely despises this ride. She's spoken about this a lot before in previous podcasts. Um, But for me, it is a classic. Um, It's one of the rides that I remember the most going on as a child. Um, I mean, I always say that I remember it from my trip to Paris. I went to Paris in opening year in 1992 um, when I was two. So I don't think I really remember it. I think I remember all my memories come from home videos and photos and things like that. But I remember when I was growing up, always thinking about it's a small world and having the song and um, yeah, just the image of that whole ride sort of coming together. Um, And then I just think it is a very classic 
traditional ride. It's fun for all the family. I can completely understand why people hate it. That song does drive you crazy. It does get stuck in your head. You cannot get it out. Um, And it is a little bit dated. It is a bit creepy. There are problems with things like the ceiling. It completely takes you away from the fact that you are on that attraction. But if they ever got rid of that ride, I would be very upset. I hate this, and you know that. I was not born with, like, a black heart. So when I was a little girl, many, many moons ago, I did like this attraction. And I really remember, like, being on the ride with my parents and something that my dad and I would share is that we would go around and my dad would be like, what country is that Mercedes? And I would really enjoy saying, oh, that's the United States of America. That's Ireland. That's Denmark, whatever. That was like something that my dad and I shared. And I really do have fond memories of that. And despite hating this ride, and I really do hate it, I'm really looking forward to when Grumpy and I have got children of our own and we can go on that attraction with them and have a similar experience of kind of going around and saying, oh, do you know which country that is? And then kind of like, no, I don't know. And then kind of guiding them to work out the answer. I'm really looking forward to that. That is something that I really am anticipating for the future. But my thoughts on that attraction are... It's old and old doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's a bad thing, but it definitely needs an update. And I think there are lots of improvements that could be made that will make it better. The attraction is awful um, in terms of like the music. The music is awful. And I appreciate that it was written by the Sherman Brothers and it's like a classic. And how can you have that ride and not have that song? So Potentially, there's nothing that could be done about that. But some of my ideas include one, covering the ceiling. That would be so simple to do. Literally just have some fabric with like fairy lights poking through and you've got a beautiful night sky sorted easy. Also, I think we spoke about this before, but I had this idea of obviously screens are the way that rides are like really uh, being incorporated in rides now to, to make them more modern and more relevant. And what if you had little screens kind of integrated with the mannequins like like tv screens of children from each country so you know you go to usa and you've got kids doing ice hockey and then you go to africa and you've got kids you know playing the drums or whatever it is they do on the attraction i can't remember now and maybe they've got video messages so the song you know that horrible soundtrack goes down a level and it's a little bit quieter and they're like bonjour from paris or whatever i don't know like I would like something like that to make it a little bit more heartwarming. When Walt Disney was originally told to create this attraction, it was for Save the Children. And I feel like that message is not really there anymore. Like, well, it is, you know, we should all get on more from different nations, but it would be cool to actually have some videos of like some real kids in there. And then maybe, you know, if you want to get some more IP, then you can have like in the Italian bit, a little clip from Pinocchio. I don't know, but that I'm just, I'm just riffing. It needs an update. Yeah, I I do agree with you definitely there. And I don't think they could ever change the song. I think it would be a crying shame. Um, And it is funny. It always makes me laugh how it was written by the Sherman brothers. And, you know, they are very talented, but then, 
it's a small world after all is all they could come up with for that ride but anyway I digress um but yeah definitely in terms of covering the ceiling you're absolutely right I don't know it would literally take them a couple of days to do that it's so simple it wouldn't cost much money I don't know why they've never done it um And in terms of updating the ride, screens would definitely be an interesting option to see. Um, I wouldn't want to see them get rid of any of the mannequins at all, because I think that is what the ride is. Um, Obviously, in California, they have started integrating characters. So in Hawaii, you've got Lilo and Stitch. Um, I can't think of anyone else right off the top of my head now that's in the ride. It's been a long time since I was in California. but. Peter Pan in London, yeah. Um, But it would be cool to see that kind of rolled out into some of the other small worlds um, across the globe as well. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's interesting to me as well that there's no small world in Shanghai. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I've never really thought about it before. And they don't have many sort of of the real traditional rides like that. Um, Maybe they'd put it in, but I feel like if they were going to have it, they would have had it already for opening. Um, But yeah, I I don't know because it is such a classic attraction. It's quite surprising that they wouldn't want, you know, Chinese people to experience that because it's so reminiscent of those American parks, I think. But, you know, for whatever reason, it's it's not there, unfortunately. I wonder if that is a sign that they knew it was old and dated. Because if you think about all of those original attractions, like Big Thunder Mountain, they gave them Seven Dwarves. Space Mountain, didn't bother. They gave them Tron. There's no Splash Mountain. Pirates of the Caribbean is unrecognisable. It's a completely different attraction. Peter Pan's got updates. So I wonder if they knew that Small World was like a dying ride. Yeah, quite possibly. I think you've probably hit the hit the nail on the head there. You're probably quite right. It's interesting that they didn't try and do their own take on it, but then I guess you can't really do your own take on it. Or maybe people would think it was too disrespectful to the original version. I don't know. But yeah. for whatever reason, it's a guilty pleasure for me. Cool. So Mercedes, any other guilty pleasures? So the final guilty pleasure that I have today that I am prepared to share with you and our lovely listeners, although it's actually not that much of a secret, so I kind of don't mind if everyone knows this about me. I absolutely love, I, Mercedes, 28, I absolutely love meeting Disney characters at Disney parks And taking that a step further, I really love character dining. I have no children. I am an adult woman, but it is an absolute guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah, I think this is something that we differ on a little bit because I like when we went to Paris, I loved it. Um, And I love meeting like Mickey and Minnie if I go with, say, for instance, Benji, my husband. Um, But if I was going to go to a park... By myself, um, I I wouldn't do a meet and greet. Um, And character dining is something I've never really done either. Actually, in fact, the only times I've done character dining is with you when we went to Paris with your family and we did Cafe Mickey and then um, the Inventions Brunch this time in Paris. So I've actually only ever done character dining twice in my whole life of being a Disney fan, Um, which isn't a lot. Um, but yeah, in terms of meet and greets, if I go to a park with Benji, I would do Minnie, I would do Mickey, 
but I wouldn't queue for hours to meet, say, a princess or a face character or, you know, a lesser known character. Um, however, when we went together, I thoroughly enjoyed it and it was one of the highlights of my trip. So I think for me, meet and greets is something that is very dependent on who you're with. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's why, like, lots of people think, how could you do that without a child? But I think that, you know, those of our listeners, I obviously you included in this, Tash, but people that know me probably see that I do get, like, the excitement of a child and I will talk to the characters as though, you know, we're old buddies and I know them really well and we'll have kind of silly interactions and things like that. And I think that probably for you, I think you're very similar to me in that respect, but maybe a little bit more reserved. So me being like that gives you the kind of like, okay, to be like, I can be silly with these characters as well. And then that appeals to your kind of like inner child. And then we all just kind of bounce off each other being childish. Whereas if you're already feeling a little bit tentative about it and you're with someone who's like, this is ridiculous, I'm an adult male, I'm not meeting a character, then obviously you're not going to like open yourself up to that silliness. I do meet characters when I'm with Grumpy, but I'm very particular. To be honest, I'm very particular anyway, even if I'm with friends. There are some characters that you would never catch me queuing for, especially if they had a long line. Um, Princesses, I will only queue for if I've literally got nothing to do and I'm like, oh, let's go in here. It's warm if I'm in Paris, for example. Or if it's a princess that I've never seen. If it's a princess I've never seen before, so if there's like a brand new princess movie and it's my first time meeting the character, then yes, I will queue a long time. I queued three hours to meet Moana. That's just the kind of person that I am. Uh, I met I met Chewie, didn't I, in in, um, in Disney or by myself, two hours to meet Chewie. He spoke, so that was a pleasant surprise. But yeah, if it's a rare character or a character I've never met, then yes, I will queue a long time. If I'm with Grumpy and let's just imagine we're in a situation where there's no rare or new characters, the only characters that I will meet with him are Mickey and Minnie or a princess if she's got a short line. But like, even even with friends, to be honest, if there's like a King Louis meet and greet, even if there's like literally five people in the queue, I'll carry on walking. I'm not interested. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, There are some characters I just wouldn't be bothered meeting at all. Um, But yeah, I think you are completely right that it is, you know, it makes a big difference with who you're with and you can bounce off them. But I mean, when we were in Florida, I tried to have decent interaction with Mickey and Minnie and, and, you know, one day I met Mickey and he was great and another day I met Mickey and it just wasn't the same as when we were together as a group of girls in Paris meeting characters. So I think that it has a massive, massive impact. But like you say, I can't wait till I have children and can take them. However, three hours of queuing to me is absolute madness. Yeah, but you know, it was Moana. You're never going to see Moana again. Like it was one of those situations where someone like Moana... I was like any any new character, like for example, you and I are very lucky that we met Judy Hopps and Nick Wilde in Shanghai because we're not going to have that possibility to do that ever again. Like we're just not. I think like for me, especially a, a princess and a face character, Moana, she had just had her movie come out. She's a princess who obviously, you know, they're my favorite characters to meet anyway. 
And it was like one of those situations where I'm never going to have that opportunity ever again. And you literally cannot meet Moana anywhere in the world right now. And I don't think that that is, it's going to be like Mulan and Pocahontas. Like you might catch them if you're lucky, but it's not going to be very easy. So I had to do it. Yeah, that's that's very true. I, I would say that talking about Disney dining or dining with characters, I really, really enjoyed that, especially when we did the Inventions Brunch and our trip to Paris earlier this year. Um, and that is something, again, I wouldn't do it if I was just going to a Disney park, say, with Benji. But if I was going with children or with friends, I would 100% want to do that every time now. I completely agree with you. I would never, ever do character dining with just me and grumpy like that would just never happen it would be the most awful awkward overpriced experience of my entire life but going for like a character brunch or a character dinner with cocktails and things like that with friends is so funny and I genuinely believe that as a group of girlfriends you get way more attention because it's just different for the characters there's so many tables of families and children for them to interact with that I think they're like well hey girls on tour like it's quite funny so I really enjoy that and yeah as you say with children I mean going with my parents and watching my sister who obviously is quite a lot younger than me and you know her face lighting up as Snow White approached our table for breakfast that is just absolutely priceless and you know what yes it's expensive but if you can afford to do it go to Cinderella's Royal Table in in Orlando. And yes, you're going to spend a lot of money, but you're going to have a delicious meal and you're going to see like eight princesses and you don't have to queue. I mean, for me, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It makes total sense to do that. And I think it is one of those things that, you know, the more you put into it and the more you offer out in terms of interaction, the more you're going to get back. If you just sort of say like, yeah, hello, like all photo, you're not going to get an awful lot. Whereas if you're really like, oh, how are you today? And oh, what are you up to? If you really kind of give a lot to the conversation, you're going to get as much as you can back. Definitely. And I implore you, if you're listening to this right now, whether you've got children or not, and you're always a little bit awkward at your Disney character interactions, I want you to do this and I promise you'll enjoy it. I want you for every character you meet to think of one question you could ask them. So for example, if you're meeting Princess Jasmine, my favorite character, ask her how Roger is doing. If you meet Peter and Wendy, ask them if they've seen the mermaids recently. Think of a question that you could ask that character that's linked to their film. And I promise you will not be disappointed with the response that you get from them. There we go. Great little top tip for all our listeners out there. Great. And what is your final guilty pleasure, Tash? So my final one, again, I I don't think of it so much as a guilty pleasure, but I know a lot of people probably would, maybe people that aren't Disney fans necessarily, but it is Disney playlists and Disney music in general. Um, I'm not ashamed to say I probably listen to a Disney soundtrack or a Disney playlist maybe once a day, maybe once every other day. It's great music to clean to, to cook to. It's so feel good. And my favourite thing is if I'm home alone, if my husband's away with work or something, unfortunately he's here all the time at the moment, so I haven't been able to do this in a while, but I love blaring out that Disney soundtrack. I love getting my cleaning on and I love just having a great time. It's so, so feel good. You can really, really go for it. And I never get bored of it. I mean, I'm one of those people that my music taste in general is not very adventurous. I listen to a lot of the same songs over and over again. I don't really know a lot of current music. There's a lot of songs that I hear and I'm like, yeah, I like that. 
have no idea who sings it. So I can listen to stuff on repeat and never get sick of it. Um, but yeah, I absolutely love Disney music. And um, I would say that I remember sort of in my college and uni days being quite embarrassed at the time if, you know, your iPod is the one that's chosen for the shuffle that night or whatever. Um, and it's always a risky game if you've got some, you know, classic horrors on there or something. And I always remember on mine, some Disney would come on and then everyone would be like, what the hell is this? And it'd be like, oh yeah, wow, it's just my Disney playlist. But I feel like now I embrace that more. I'm not embarrassed of it anymore. Good. I'm glad you're not ashamed. It's so important to not be ashamed. And that is one of the things, one of the secrets, I think, of getting older that nobody tells you. And that is just simply the older you get, the more proud of the person you are, you'll be, and the more you'll just embrace all of your little quirks. So I think that's great. I actually don't listen to Disney music. I don't know whether that comes as a surprise or not. Um, I also don't have like a super adventurous taste in music I listen to a lot of 80s classic like a lot of like 80s rock stuff um I do really love to listen to movie soundtracks but more kind of classic like orchestral scores which we don't really get very much from Disney movies so yeah unfortunately some of those sort of classic Disney songs like Be Our Guest, Under the Sea, that sort of stuff that doesn't really get played in our household so I, I think that's definitely worthy of this list Tash. Thank you. Yeah, I would say, and again, I'm not, when I listen to sort of Disney playlists, I mean, I've created my own on, on Spotify. Um, I don't have, I mean, I have all the classics on there, like Under the Sea, Be Our Guest, but they're not really the ones I listen to. It is some of the more obscure songs that I listen to. I mean, just the other day I was in the kitchen and the um, soundtrack to Fantasmic came on and it made me kind of exactly half and half. Half was so happy about listening to that song and then the other half was so sad and so nostalgic that it felt really bittersweet. I Um, love that. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's nice. I know that my friend Dan, he's been on the podcast in our Ohana section before. He listens to the Epcot kind of atmospheric music when he's at work. So just the music where you're kind of milling around. And I think doing anything like that, that takes you back to a place. I think music is so powerful. Um, well, different things are powerful for us in different ways. For me, smell is a really powerful one. I can literally smell something and it will take me back to a specific moment in my past. But I think that if you, you know, can create a little bit of magic during your everyday routine, my mum always says that if she's having a really stressful day at work, she pictures the smell of Pirates of the Caribbean. Caribbean and it reminds her that the reason we work is so that we can go and have these incredible adventures and we can you know afford to pay basically to go and visit these places so having any kind of music whether it's from a film or whether it's from one of the parks playing in your house is is nothing but a good thing I think and leads us very nicely onto our final segment today it does indeed. But before we get into that, um, please do reach out and let us know if you have any Disney guilty pleasures. Um, as always, you can reach us on Instagram at Chat Disney. Or you can send us a tweet at Chat Disney UK. So we kind of teased you a little bit there. We are going to be heading into Mad Chatter, where we'll be focusing today on how to stay sane during lockdown. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> So depending on where you are in the world, 
the COVID-19 coronavirus is impacting you in some kind of way. And Tash and I have said repeatedly that we do not want to dwell too much on that on this podcast. This is not the forum, we don't think, to be discussing it in great detail. But we do know that for lots of countries, the UK included, we are currently in a period of lockdown. And it can be really difficult to stay sane and to keep happy and optimistic. And luckily for us, we have a special little dose of magic, a little ingredient that helps to keep us feeling positive and sane, and that is Disney. So we are going to use this time now in Mad Chatter just to kind of chat about some of the things we've been doing during lockdown and how Disney has been keeping us sane. Absolutely. So I think the biggest one for me is Disney movies. Um, Again, with the introduction of Disney Plus over here in the UK, which came just, I think it was after the first week of lockdown. It could not have come at a better time for us. Um, We have all those Disney movies at our fingertips now. Um, So I've been using it as a great opportunity to go back and watch some of the classics that I'm maybe not as familiar with. So the other day I watched The Great Mouse Detective. I think I've only seen that film twice before in my whole life. Um, And also some of the films from kind of the dark age that I've never watched. So the other day I watched Meet the Robinsons. The Black Cauldron is another one on my list. So I think a great way to spend lockdown is to kind of hey, why not start at Snow White? You've got time. Work your way through all the classics back to back. It's a task, but it's definitely achievable at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree. We spoke a lot in this Guilty Pleasures episode as well about exploring the world of Disney Channel. And I've watched all of the Boy Meets World from the beginning. And I've actually started Girl Meets World now. I think it's a pile of rubbish, but I wanted to continue the story of Corey and Topanga. So being able to, you know, watch these documentaries about Star Wars, watch the prop documentary, which I have to say, if you haven't watched that yet, that is fantastic. Thoroughly enjoying that. There's so much incredible content on Disney Plus and and Tash is absolutely right. It could not have come at a better time. When else are we going to be able to sit on the sofa and watch hours and hours of TV and not feel guilty about it? Fully enjoy that platform right now. Exactly. And it's not just on Disney Plus as well. Check out YouTube. There are a lot of things on there at the moment. I mean, even people within the confines of their own home recreating Disney rides. There's a fantastic Pirates of the Caribbean one. Someone did Soaring. It just gives you a bit of a laugh for a couple of minutes. And hey, why not get creative? Try and do your own one at home yourself. And I think what's really special about what you just said, Tash, about the recreation of the rides and things like that is often especially in the united kingdom when you know walt disney world is miles and miles away and it's thousands and thousands of pounds to go there i will often be at home feeling down like oh i'd give anything to be at walt disney world right now we're very lucky that we have paris on our doorstep but those american parks are just a little bit too far for us to kind of go super super often And what's really, really niche about this current situation that we're in right now and what makes it really quite special in a way is that we really are all in this together. Like there's nobody right now that can go to Walt Disney World, whether you live in the United Kingdom, France, Germany, the US, whether you're an annual pass holder that lives in Orlando, nobody can go to those Disney parks right now. And I think, well, apart from Shanghai, obviously open today, but 
for the American parks. And I think that's what creates this real sense of unity is that we're all really missing those rides together. And we can take some kind of comfort from that. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think you're you're right. And I think that since we started this podcast, it's kind of opened our eyes to the Disney community on social media and how welcoming and supportive everyone is of each other. And I guess that kind of brings on another one, Disney podcasts. I mean, we are very, very lucky and I'm incredibly proud of us for managing to keep this podcast going while lockdown has been happening obviously as soon as it's safe and it's you know things start to go back to normal we will go back to doing the podcast together but being able to record remotely has been definitely a new experience for us but I'm very happy that we've still been able to get our content out there and there's a lot of other Disney podcasts that are doing the exact same thing as well Um, and it's a great way I mean some people are kind of taking our approach we don't we choose to not really talk about the COVID-19 situation too much obviously it's a little bit unavoidable sometimes when you're talking about what's been happening in the world of Disney at the moment um, whereas there are a lot of podcasts that are directly addressing the issues and things like park closures and what parks are going to be like after this ends and how the you know the situation is affecting them so there's a lot of content out there for you to listen to which is also great if you are working at home and you want something sort of one in the background one not stick a Disney podcast on definitely I am in a situation where I'm still working full-time and I am alone in the house when I'm doing that so for eight hours a day five days a week I have no human contact and as quite a you know outgoing extrovert I'm really struggling with that and having voices in the house is so helpful for me and I'm I can't hear what they're saying half the time because I'm actually trying to concentrate on my work but just having the sound of familiar voices in the house is so so helpful and having my regular Disney podcast to listen to is 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 the main reason that I'm able to do that so just to shout some out um some some really great podcasts that Tash and I fully support you've got 37 Disney Street which is a fantastic podcast they are basically reviewing at the moment all of the Disney classics in order they've just reviewed Little Mermaid. So if you haven't come across 37 Disney Street before, there's quite a lot that they've already done that can get you started. So definitely have a listen to those guys. Theme Park Trader podcast. We've obviously had Ryan on the show before. And Tash mentioned that there are Disney podcasts that are really kind of addressing coronavirus head on. And they are one of those podcasts. So if you want to listen to you know, a little bit about what we might expect from Disney in the future, what it might be like to go to a Disney park once this is all over. Definitely have a listen to Ryan and Dan. Also the Disney Marvels podcast. That's an American podcast. Tash and I have been very, very lucky to be featured on there a couple of times now. Again, a fantastic podcast. Definitely worth a listen. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you're right. It is, there is something comforting about having those voices kind of going on in the background. So if you are the sort of person that is at home and if you're living by yourself or anything like that, and you want to have some comfort, then I highly recommend sticking on some Disney podcasts. Um, Disney baking. I mean, everyone's baking at the moment, aren't they? I mean, I say this, you can get flour for love nor money at the moment. I haven't seen flour in weeks. It's like the new toilet roll, the new hand sanitizer, but there are a lot of Disney recipes out there and some official ones as well from the Disney parks they've released recipes for Dole Whips brownies things like that Um, Mercedes have you done any bakes at home I know you're a big baker normally have you done anything Disney inspired during lockdown 
I have actually. I I still haven't done that Monte Cristo sandwich, and I promise I'm going to do it. Um, a lady that I used to work with, Sarah, is a huge Disney fan as well. We spoke about her when we did our Disney weddings episode, as she was very lucky and got married in Walt Disney World in Florida. And she has currently got quite a lot of time on her hands, so she's been doing lots of Disney bakes. She made the carrot cake cookie the other day, and it looked amazing. So I'm going to have to get the recipe from her. For me, I really wanted an afternoon cream tea for BE Day this week, just gone, the weekend just gone. So we had BE Day in the United Kingdom. It was a bank holiday and I wanted scones. And I went to Tesco. There was no clotted cream. There were no scones. There was jam. So I was able to buy jam, but I was like, no, I'm not going to let this defeat me. I'm going to make clotted cream and I'm going to make scones. So I did. I could not get flour. I then went to a little Turkish shop just around the corner from my house and went in there, asked them if they had any self-raising flour. They gave me a parcel that was all written in Turkish with a picture of a cake on it and told me it was self-raising flour. And I just had to trust them. And it was because I made scones. I have never made scones before and I did not have a round cookie cutter, but I did have a Mickey one and a Love Heart one. So Mickey and Love Heart scones were created in this house the weekend just gone. Amazing. I love that. I've got Mickey cookie cutters. I think I ordered them around Christmas time with the intention of making um, a selection of Mickey Christmas uh, biscuits, cookies. Never used them. I'll do it. I can, like, I'll send you some, like, fail-safe recipes that I've used before that I know works. I think that's one of the things with baking that I've discovered, like you're only as good as your recipe. And I've made cakes in the past and the recipe's awful. But when you find a cake recipe or a biscuit recipe that you've used a couple of times and it always works for you, then you start to get really confident. So I can send you some decent recipes. But yeah, I will, I promise I will make that Monte Cristo sandwich because I'm really intrigued by it. I really, really want to try it. And I really want to make the carrot cake cookie as well. Apparently, it's easy, so I might give that a go. But as oh, I said, I might give that a go because I completely forgot about it on my trip to Florida and didn't try it. And it was one of the things I wanted to try the most. And I'm so annoyed at myself for getting all of yeah, it. It's really difficult, actually, because I mean, between you know, I just I just mentioned like I'm working, I'm watching Disney Plus, I'm making this podcast, like actually finding the time. When you look at my week, like, yes, I know I can't go anywhere, but I'm somehow managing to make scones and record a podcast and work. And I'm just, I kind of feel like I'm a headless chicken right now with all these different things. I kind of like feel guilty for just doing nothing. And I think that that's really important. It's just to, like, it doesn't matter whether you like go on a half marathon or you sit on your bum watching EastEnders, it doesn't matter. However you choose to spend this period of lockdown is fine. And I think that's a really important thing to remember. Absolutely. I think you're you're completely right there. And I'm glad that you addressed that because I've recently been kind of reflecting back on lockdown and being like, well, what have I done with all this time? And then it's like, actually, no, it's okay. Like we're in a pandemic. It is okay to sit there and watch Disney Plus and do nothing. You don't have to use this time to achieve loads and learn new skills. If you want to just sit there and, you know, listen to your podcast, do a bit of baking, watch some Disney movies, 
then so be it. That is completely, completely fine. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you say, oh, what have I got to show for it? You've got loads to show for it. Like you're not somebody who is like really into their fitness yet. You've been doing yoga. You've been running. You've been walking your dog every day. You've been creating a Disney Disney podcast week by week. You've been making time for your friends and family and doing quizzes and things with them. You celebrated your niece's birthday the other day, like via video chat. You've achieved loads. Like don't think that. yeah you know and anyone with children like just living right now well done I know like when I speak to my sister so my niece is four she is getting to the point where just having a child who is at that age where they're so demanding and they just want attention all the time it's really starting to to drive them a bit crazy absolutely and if you do want kind of like 20 minutes piece a really cool thing that you can do and you can do this as a whole family I have not managed to get grumpy to do this with me just yet I've been doing it by myself but if you've got little ones this is a great activity go onto YouTube hook up the YouTube to the TV if you can so you've got it nice and big and watch some of the Walt Disney animation classes you can learn to draw Disney characters each one's about 25 minutes long Tash and I spoke about this a lot when we went to Disneyland Paris as we did the class there we drew Olaf Um, which was really good fun and we also drew Donald Duck and literally when I tell you the characters you can draw on YouTube is endless I'm not exaggerating there are so many different characters to choose from I so far have done Stitch and also Elsa but I want to do some more I'm really enjoying uh, driving I hate driving drawing at the moment and I really want to do one with Grumpy so that we can like compare at the end but he's like not having any of it he has no kind of confidence in his creative ability unfortunately yeah, see, this is something since you've been doing it, I keep thinking, oh, I must do that. But and don't take this the wrong way, but I think this is a skill that you never realised you had because I remember when we went to Paris, that um, Donald Duck that you did was really good. And oh. I know you now have it framed in your bathroom. And also the stitch that you did in the Elsa were really good as well. And I know they do make it simple on these tutorials and they talk you through every aspect, but I think you have to give yourself some credit. I think this is actually a skill that you have. Oh, that's really kind of you I I don't think so like I like if you just said to me draw Olaf I would not be able to do it but it is because of the way that they tell you how to do it I but no I thank you I I do take that as um a compliment I I think I kind of like got really into my calligraphy over the last couple of years like I did the calligraphy for your wedding and things like that and I think it's a strange one I think I've actually got more creative as I've got older which I don't think is normal I think normally like kids are more creative and stuff but um definitely with like writing and making things look nice I definitely think that's something that's got better as I've got older but thank you that's very nice of you to say but I still want to do one with Grumpy because I still feel like he'll be able to knock it out of the park (laughs) I can't wait to see that (laughs) yeah I have to do a side-by-side comparison see what characters are on there that I can get him interested in Yes, please do. Um, and yeah, I think the final thing that obviously everyone and their dog has been doing during lockdown is quizzes. Um, I know, I mean, we did our Chat Disney quiz um, last weekend um, and it was a big hit. We managed to raise over £150 for Mind, the charity, which we were so, so proud of achieving. We didn't really set out a goal, but I think that kind of exceeded both of our expectations. Um, and aside from that, I've done a couple of Disney quizzes among friends 
we did one ourselves, didn't we, with the group of girls that we went into Paris with. So that was really fun. Um, so if you are looking for something to do and you're doing all these quizzes at the moment, why not throw in a Disney round um, or something or just do a little one at home with your family? You can make it as easy or as difficult as possible. Um, great, great way to pass the time. Definitely. And I think there's been quite a lot of demand for us to do more chat Disney quizzes. We kind of did the one for mind as a bit of a one-off, but there seems to be a lot of demand already. Lots of people that participated on the quiz asking when the next one is, and also people that missed the quiz asking if there's going to be a follow-up. So if that is something that you are interested in, do drop Tash and I a line. Remember, you can always send us a tweet at chat Disney UK. Or message us on Instagram at chat Disney. And just let us know what you want, really. And in terms of content as well, if there's any kind of content ideas that you would like to hear or anything you'd like to get our opinion on, we really love doing these mad chatter sections at the end of the episode just to kind of have a general discussion about something topical. So if there's anything you want to hear on this podcast, do let us know. Um, We really value your opinion. Absolutely. And we've got some very exciting content planned for the next couple of weeks as well. We are going to be going back into another little mini series, which we thoroughly enjoy. So do stay tuned for that. We will keep bringing you these episodes every Monday as usual. Absolutely. And for now, we will say goodbye. Any Chinese listeners that are near Shanghai, enjoy those parks for us and give Mickey a big old hug. Absolutely. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.